Can you imagine being asked to do something like that, to build an ark? Well, that's who we're going to look at this morning. So if you've got your Bible, you can open up to Genesis chapter 6. And while you're turning there, we're going to start this morning a series that we're calling Crazy Faith. Last week, uh, we talked about uh, the foundation for the mission, which is faith. We've talked about the fuel for the mission, which is prayer. We've talked about the funding for the mission, which is resources that God has given us. But most importantly, I think of all of those is that foundation of faith, working out our faith muscle, which we talked about last week. I've had people make fun of me this week uh, because we had a weight bench up here. And several of you thought, I'll just go ahead and spill the beans, thought that those weights were actually more than they were. Uh, the one that looked like it was a 45-pound plate was like 25 pounds, I think, or 20, right? So uh, some of you were like, wow, I'm not going to mess with the pastor anymore. <laughs> no worries, no worries. They, they helped me out a little bit with that. I didn't want to collapse on the stage. But we talked about really exercising uh, that faith muscle. And over the next several weeks, we are going to look at some characters found in God's Word uh, in the Bible, Isaiah 45, 8 says, You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. We're going to look at uh, one of my favorite Old Testament Bible characters, and we're going to look at this morning, Noah. Noah, quite a character. Hollywood has tried, just like in that movie, which actually... Was, was a pretty good movie. Uh, it was kind of their modern day version of what might happen if somebody was asked to build an ark. And they actually stayed, I was surprised, they actually stayed pretty true to the scripture. Uh, Evan Almighty, who God shows up and asks him to build an ark. And if you saw that movie, you, you know he starts growing this beard and he keeps going into the bathroom cutting it off and it keeps appearing along this long beard. And uh, Hollywood has done, tried to come up with, they actually had a movie uh, that they, 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 they tried to come out with, not a modern day, but another version of Noah. Hollywood tries to make an attempt, and it is just that, it is an attempt to demonstrate what God's Word tells us, which we know is truth. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter 6 this morning. And for sake of time, we're going to start and pick up with verse number 5. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And he said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I'm sorry that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And I don't have my glasses, so I hope I'm fast-forwarding this along the way. There we go. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. He walked with God. And Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. And then he gave those instructions that we saw in the video. Genesis 6, 14. Make for yourselves an ark of gopher wood. 
You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. And if you don't know what a cubit is, it's about 18 inches. If you have a footnote in a study Bible, you probably already saw that, 18 inches And this is how you shall make it, he says in verse 15. He goes on in 16, you shall make a window from the ark and finish it, a cubit from the top, and set the door of the ark in the side of it. And you shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, even I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish What an incredible story. I I encourage you to read this story sometime on your own. So the question this morning that I'd like to ask is, what can we learn from Noah? What can we learn from Noah? Noah was quite an interesting character. And again, uh, Bible commentaries, even modern day movie makers have tried to help us understand a little bit about Noah. Noah was a, a big guy, the Bible tells us. Probably he was like a warrior type. And... You know, one of the key things I think we can learn about Noah is when God came to him with these instructions, he had to choose to do something. He had to choose to make a decision, not based on the way things look, but based on what God was saying. Scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says that we're to walk by faith, not by sight. But how many of us, including myself, oftentimes make decisions by the way things look? I mean, you look in the Scripture, even back up before the story of Noah, you find in Genesis 3, verse 6, even Eve made a decision based on the way that the fruit, we think it was an apple, we really don't know if it was an apple. But she made a decision based on the way that fruit looked. Satan's great strategy, sometimes the way things look. If you read on past the story of Noah, you get to Genesis chapter 12, and you have the story of Abraham and Lot, and their families start to grow, and they start to populate, and they get to a certain point where they can't, the the land cannot feed their whole families. And so Abram says to Lot, he says, you decide which way to go. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. He gave Lot kind of the ability to make decision. In Genesis chapter 13, I think it's verse 8, says that Lot chose based on the appearance of the land. And you say, well, did he choose wisely? Well, we know that he didn't because we know the ultimate story that the place that he chose was the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. So I would challenge us this morning that one of the great lessons that we can learn from looking at the story of Noah is that we don't need to make decisions based on the way things look. Noah was a God-fearing man, and the people of the land had become idolaters. And you read some of those earlier verses in chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, and you hear several words over and over again. It makes me think about where we are in 2019. You hear about violence and corruption, and people were violent and they were corrupt, and they were violent and they were corrupt. Wow, two great descriptors for where we are in 2019. I heard a Bible pastor just a few weeks ago say that if our world doesn't change, then God may have to apologize to Noah because he chose to destroy sin and wickedness as a result of all the corruption and violence. And then you look at what's happening in our world today. Luckily, God found someone that turned their heart to him. Yet his heart was still sad. I mentioned, I think it was a week or two ago when we talked about that 
passage of scripture in Second Chronicles that says, if we, God's people, he says, my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and I will heal their land. And I mentioned to you, if you were here, that in that passage of scripture in Second Chronicles, it talks about God's heart. And I mentioned to you that there's another place in Scripture where only a couple times in Scripture do we hear the Bible talk about God having a heart. We hear about God having eyes and being the hands and feet of God. And, but this is one of those verses. It is found in chapter 6, verse 6. It says, The Lord was sorry he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. His heart was filled with pain because of what was happening in the world. There was corruption, there was violence. God had tried to warn the people many, many times, and yet they chose to go their own way. Does that not sound like 2019? And yet the Lord finally gets to a point of his patience, runs out, and he wants to blot out, verse 7, New American Standard says blot out. Basically, the translation there is to wipe out, extinguish. I remember growing up... <laughs> Oh, we had some discipline in our home. My dad never used the word blot out, but he didn't have to, because I knew what he meant. <laughs> I could tell what he meant. And on this Veterans Day, I'll just tell you, my, my dad loved our, loves our country. He believed in democracy, just not so much at our house. <laughs> it was more of a benevolent dictatorship at our house. <laughs> But we have in this day and age, we have people who basically have turned away from God and decided that they know best. And yet, Noah finds favor with God. Why does he find favor with God? In verse 8 and 9, perhaps it tells us Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and he walked with God. I'm so great, uh, grateful that we have these men who have served in the military for us to honor our country and that's wonderful. Equally, I would say to you today, we need men who are willing to serve with such fervor and excitement in the Lord's army that would stand up and be counted that God could say of you and say of me that we are men who walk with God. What an incredible commentary. I mean, if you just took those few words in verse 9 of chapter 6 and let that be the epitaph, the epilogue, for Noah's life, how incredible would that be that he walked with God, he was blameless, he was righteous. And so God tells Noah he's going to destroy the earth. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. I noticed it for the first time reading this story again this week. He tells him in verse 14, I'm going to destroy the earth and you're going to build an ark of gopher wood, which is exactly what the movie clip said, which some Bible commentators and historians think it was probably cypress or cedar wood. I've mentioned this before. If you ever have a chance to go see the life-size ark in Kentucky, you ought to go check it out. It's pretty awesome. I've got to be honest with you. I think I've told you that story in the parking lot and being chased down by the state patrol. I'll share that maybe again later. It's another story. But to see that life-size replica that is true to biblical proportions, true to history, true to archaeological remains that they have found is pretty incredible. And so Noah goes... God goes to Noah and tells him to build this ark. But if you'll notice the sequence of his discussion, he didn't tell him he was going to flood the earth yet. He says to him, build this ark. Now, if you're Noah, and Bible historians and meteorolo meteorological, that's a big word, people have debated, and I'm not going to get into it because I don't know, 
whether or not it rained. We know that there was rain early on at creation. Did it rain again before Noah came? So here Noah is, whether or not he had seen rain, the Bible tells us if you read chapters 4 and 5, he hadn't seen rain for a while because there's no, there's no reference to it. And so we get to chapter 6, and Noah is told by God, go build this ark of gopher wood. So I imagine he had a lot of questions. What am I going to do with a boat? I've never seen a boat kind of be drug across the land. How's this going to work? We're going to have this boat. What, you know, no, no, what are we going to do with this boat? And then he gets to verse 17, and God continues to give him instructions. And that's one of the key things we need to remember about God. Whenever he asks us to step out in crazy faith, he will give us the instructions on what steps to take. And he will give us those instructions. I don't like this part, being honestly, but one step at a time. You know this to be true in your life. There are so many times where I feel like God's telling me to do something and I'm just like, God, I'm ready for that whole manual. Just give it to me because I know what I will do. I will take the manual and I will fast, fast forward through there and find the pieces that I think are important to get to the finished product. Ask my wife, this is why I don't do a lot of home repair. When you put together a washing machine and there are like pieces left over and gears and stuff left over, you realize, you know, I skim through the directions and I just find what I think is important. God has learned in my life, and maybe your life, that he gives me instructions one step at a time. And that's exactly what he did with Noah in verse 15. He describes the ark, how, how long it's going to be, how wide it's going to be, how high it's going to be. The three stories, the small rooms. He gives these descriptions as, as Noah prepared to build this ark. The people around him couldn't fathom the task. I mean, this is a monumental task. If you, again, if you ever get to go to Kentucky or go online, you can see it on, on the web. You can see pictures of this life-size, and they didn't have skill saws, chainsaws. They didn't have all this modern equipment that we have, and they put this thing together, Noah, and family members and other people who joined in this process to put this ark together. And he began to tell people, this is going to save us from the impending flood. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this, and so in, in Bible training, they would, they would say to the pastor and to you as a Sunday school teacher, anyone who teaches the word, you don't add to what the Bible says because that's inserting things that aren't there. So I want to tell you up front that this is not in the text, but you have to wonder, I have to wonder, when God asked Moses to step out on crazy faith, did he get made fun of? Do people think he was crazy? I mean, put, put yourself into the situation, what happens in modern day world when God says to do something. Some of you encountered that even with giving that envelope of money away. If you shared it with friends or family, they probably said, what, you guys did what? You're doing what? And so the world starts, I believe, probably started to question him and challenge him. And yet he continued to go out and to build and build and build. And eventually, when you get to chapter 7, again, I encourage you to read this because of time. You get to chapter 7, the Lord gives Noah some instructions about entering the ark. He tells him about taking the kinds of animals into the ark. He tells him about the rain that's going to come. He's going to send rain in chapter 7, verse 4. It's going to rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And at that point, God will begin to blot out every living creature. I hear some of my non-believing friends 
When they hear the story of Noah, they say, wow, I can't believe that God wanted to destroy people. You ever heard that? I think this is a biblical response. My response when I hear that is that God's purpose was not to destroy people. God's purpose was to destroy wickedness and sin. And unfortunately, people were involved in that because it was in their heart. I also tell my non-believing friends who say that, don't misunderstand God's grace here. Because the grace that we see in the Old Testament story of Noah is the grace that all of us are living in right now until Jesus one day comes again and he's coming back. You say, how long was that period of grace? 120 years that Noah was building this ark and people were watching and people were seeing it start to take shape, ground level, level one, level two, and there's still many of them chastising him. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're nuts. You're stupid. The earth is not going to be flooded. Whatever they said, I'm sure it was happening. And that was the grace that God demonstrated for 120 years to allow people to change their ways and repent. We are living in those days right now of grace. That God is waiting, maybe for some of you in this room, I don't know, to, to bow that knee and to repent and to turn from our wicked ways and to seek his face and to ask him to heal our lands and most importantly to heal our hearts. And to understand that his goodness and his kindness and his blood on the cross ultimately paid the penalty of our sin. That never again will the earth be flooded to wipe away sin. Gets to chapter 9, we have the promise of the rainbow, that our world and our culture has stolen that symbol to mean something else. But the rainbow, a promise from God that he'll never destroy the earth again. Why? Because he allowed his son to pay the penalty for us on the cross and to wipe away sin. I don't know if you've ever had God ask you to do something crazy, step out in crazy faith in your life. God's had me do that a handful of times in my life. One of those times came in 1996. I'll quickly tell you this story. I had a friend of mine that was doing a local radio show on a Christian station here in town for teenagers. I grew up with this show. I went to him one day and I said, hey, you ought to see about getting this show syndicated all across America. He said, that's a fantastic idea. I'll keep being the host. You figure that out. I knew nothing about radio. I knew nothing about broadcasting. I knew nothing about speakers or sound. Or, uh, just, I knew how to turn on a radio. That was pretty much it. And I started to investigate, and I had many of my ministry friends even, even people in the church, even religious people, just like probably Noah did, who made fun of him, who said, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. You never were educated in that. What happened? And for a year or more, I began to do some research and educate myself on what it took to do that. In 1996, March of that year, we launched on about 12 radio stations across the country, and within a year, we were on 150 radio stations and then 200 radio stations. I, I don't share that story to tell you, oh, wow, that's awesome, he's great. No. I tell you that many times God will call you and I to do things that even ourselves seem impossible, unfathomable, and we will look at our own resources and our own skill set and say, there's no way I can do it. Guess what? You're in prime position for God to use you. If you can do it without God, why do you need faith? And Noah right here is, has, has this opportunity to put together this huge ark. I, I'm sure he didn't just go, let's see, I, got up, I, have, some, I have some architectural plans right here. Just, just, it's amazing that you want me to do that because I just happen to have these right here. I don't think it happened that way. 
God equips the called. Doesn't always call the equipped. So this flood came, and we find out in chapter 7, verse 6, that when it came, Noah was 600 years old. If you feel like you're too old for God to use you, that disqualifies you from believing that every one of us in here are under, I think, uh, maybe a couple of you, are under 600 <laughs> years old. And God wants to use you and I. And what happens is, you know the story, and again, I encourage you to reread it. The flood comes, they go into the ark, the flood comes, chapter 7, verse 10, after seven days the water of the floods come upon the earth, the flood comes, the waters come, they're safe inside of this ark, the animals inside survive, they survive this storm, and verse 16 of chapter 7 says, all of them entered as God had commanded, and the Lord closed it, closed the door behind them. And they lived in this boat for almost a year. So what does that tell me about having crazy faith? Crazy faith may require enduring some storms along the way. If you and I think that we're going to have our faith muscle exercised and it's going to be all easy, then we don't understand what God's trying to teach us. I look at some of the champions in my life that I, that I kind of want to be a role model, that I want to, to mentor me and help me grow in the faith. And I look at where they are in their faith. And every single time without fail, they have had challenges, they have had storms, they've had trials. We talked about that weight last week. They have had things that have helped them develop that faith muscle so that they have more faith. And you don't get there without the storms. I wish there was a shortcut. I really do. But there's not. It's those storms that are required to increase our faith. Can you imagine being tossed on the ocean for a year? I go deep sea fishing and I'm taking five or six Dramamine. <laughs> first time I went, my dad said, oh, you, first time you might want to take some Dramamine. I don't remember anything about the trip. I was on the, on the dock of the boat asleep the whole time with a pillow and a life jacket. I said, Dad, maybe one time, maybe next time one Dramamine might be enough. I don't know if I need five or six. But can you imagine being tossed on the water and finally the waters flood the earth for 150 days the waters recede. Chapter 7, verse 24 tells us that. You know they eventually come out of the boat. But Noah and his family endured the waters. And it's their obedience that took them through the storm. And so Noah reminds us that there may be storms in our lives for a season and for a reason. But as we learn, once those storms are over, God delivers on his promise. So what's our application today to have that crazy faith that God wants us to have? Because I believe, men and women, that what we call crazy, what the world may call crazy, should be normal. What the world looks at and says, that's abnormal. Wow, I can't believe he's got that much faith. That's kind of abnormal. Should be normal when God looks at us. And maybe for so long the world has seen such lack of faith that anybody who demonstrates a little bit of faith looks abnormal to them. I want to be a person with crazy faith, so here's some questions for us to ask this morning as you think about how this applies to you. Are you following God's instruction? Who's making fun of you? Anyone making fun of you when you're trying to do something God has required of you? What are those instructions?
Have you encountered any storms during that process? And then who are you leaning on during those storms that will come? As we wrap up this morning, you think about crazy faith. If you're a believer in here and a follower of Christ, I would encourage you to think about these points in the life of Noah. But I also want to say to you, if you're not a child of God, there is an ark for you. And you're going, what is that ark? The ark is Jesus. And Jesus came and gave his life for you and me on a cross and shed his blood so that our sins would be forgiven. So we would not have to pay the penalty for sin, which is death. Much like the death of those who were wiped and blotted off the earth because of wickedness and sin. But the good news is Jesus has paid that for you. So all you have to do, and all I had to do, and I have, is run into that ark of Jesus. And right now the door is open. But one day when he returns, that door will shut. And this period of grace will be over. And the invitation for you today is, will you trust Christ? Because you can't have crazy faith until you take the first step of faith. And that is saying, yes, Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I, however, love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. Can you imagine being Noah and God coming to you and saying, I don't know what your game plan is for your life, buddy. But guess what? You're going to be a boat builder. You're going to give up everything to be a boat builder. And that's exactly what he did. And that's why all these years later, we're talking about it. And that's why God chose fit to have him in the word. So that we see his example of, of crazy faith. So let's pray together. Father, what an example we have from your word to live with crazy faith. God, I believe that that's what you're calling each and every one of us to do. Every follower of Jesus, I believe you're asking us to step out and trust you and to be men and women of faith. I thank you that so many in this church family are doing that and are demonstrating that even in the midst of giving. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. I pray that you would challenge us. And Father, I pray if there's anyone in this place who has never taking that first step of faith to say yes to Christ, that today would be their day, that they would run to that ark of safety, that ark of shelter, the ark of protection, the ark of Jesus. And they would say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I need to know you. I need to be saved. And that is our prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be down at the front this morning, and I'm going to Ask my friend, one of our pastors, Heath, to join me. And if you need to make a decision for Christ this morning, I want to encourage you to come. Maybe today would be the day that you'd say, you know what? I don't know Jesus. I know religion. I don't know Jesus. I know church. Church and religion are not knowing Jesus. But you may say this morning, I need to have a personal encounter with the living God through Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning, I want to welcome you. I would love to talk with you about how to do that. For others of us, for most of us that have a relationship with Jesus, maybe he's stretching you a little bit saying, come on, exercise that faith muscle. And if there's some way that you need to do that this morning, I want to I ask you, church family, this altar is open on Sunday for you to pray. You don't have to talk to the pastor. I would love to talk with you. Heath would love to talk to you. Joey, Caleb, we'd love to talk with you. But this altar is open for you just to come down front and deal with God by yourself. 
That's the beauty of the priesthood of the believer, which is another concept we'll talk about sometime where you have direct access to God. You can talk to God just like you, like you want. And if you want to do that this morning, this altar is open. So I want to ask you to stand as we sing our song of invitation and you respond as God leads you this morning.